Background versus Class versus Backstory. This is Demystified, solving Dia mysteries in 20 minutes or less, because the only hard part is scheduling the next session. Hi, I'm Jamie. I'm Joey. And I'm Asaf. Today, we're going to talk about what defines a character. So, defaults are boring. The sneaky, backstabbing rogue is a character that every rogue player has played precisely once. Maybe more, maybe they really dig it. But it gets old. It gets old being in a party that you're constantly getting stolen from and having to deal with sticky fingers over there. The horny bard is so cliche that talking about it and hating it is a cliche. So how can we mine the various options that are available to players at player creation to make interesting character choices, make interesting party dynamics, get out of the default and into something that is new and interesting and fun. Well, I think part of the question you have to ask yourself with any group is, are these players, like, have they experienced these things before? If this is the first time they've ever played sure. D&D, the sneaky rogue. It works. You know, that it's not played out for them. Yeah. Like, it's you a, as the DM might be like, I've seen this a hundred times. For them, it's like, this is the first. This is amazing. I've never done this. It's fun for a reason. Skyrim is the sneaky bow archer game for a reason because it's fun. So that's the first question you have to ask yourself is like, is it played out with the players? Right. But also one of the things that I always ask my players is what was your character like before? Like, don't tell me class. I don't want to hear class. Mm -hmm. Tell me what were they before they went adventuring? Right. So that's why... I know as a DM, you put a lot of emphasis into background. Yeah, because that really shapes how the character is going to act in the world. It's more than just equipment and a situational skill. You can mine that to really look at how your character deals with the world, how they approach situations, how they're viewed by other NPCs. Another thing that I think that is important for this kind of thing is a lot of times players get hung up on the class. Yes. And what the class represents. And that's, I kind of fault Wizards of the Coast for the way that they titled their classes is that they're almost careers mm -hmm. instead of just a set of mechanics. Right. And, and it's not even uniform. There are classes that happen to player characters and there are classes that have to be pursued and there are classes that define who the player is for example the sorcerer class is someone where magic lands in your lap through birthright or through i don't know just being dragonborn magical accident magical accident and wizards on the other hand have to study for it they have to pursue it so it is their career they may not have been born a wizard they may have been born with the aptitude but they maybe had to study it same with fighters where the martial class of a fighter is your career you were a soldier and a monk is your upbringing yeah the thing that bothers me a little bit with the fact that they did that is that when characters read the descriptions for the class in some cases it forces the player to think that they have to act in the way described in the class. Yes. Yes. And that can be a little boring sometimes because mm -hmm. they're always like, well, every wizard's a bookish nerd and then every rogue is a sneaky thief. When really a rogue is just a set of abilities 
that you can describe in a hundred different ways. Mm-hmm. The rogue, the fighter are like the most versatile classes in the game. They can really be anything, especially the rogue and the yeah. fighter. Yeah. If you just read the descriptions, it's kind of like, well, I have to be a soldier for if I'm a fighter. I have to be someone who's a military dude. Yeah. And if you read the rogue, it's like one of the subclasses is literally called thief. Yeah. You are a thief. You got to be a steely boy. (laughs) Another subclass is literally assassin. You are someone who just goes out and kills people for money. And nothing wrong with it. Like if that's the kind of character you wanted to play, then those set of mechanics really clarifies it for you. Like this is what you should pick if you want to do that. But you can pick the assassin background or the thief for the set of mechanics and have the person be a spy. Or those set of mechanics would work great for a ranger. If you wanted to be a non-magical ranger, those set of mechanics are perfect for it. But if you read the description, it doesn't even make people aware that that's an option. Speaking of ranger and rogue, I recently tried making a character. Well, I didn't try. I made a character, but I was really having a hard time deciding whether this person was going to be a ranger or a rogue. I mean, the rogue just seems like so much of a better ranger than the ranger does. Well, that was a huge complaint about 5e. They left the animal companion, but they took 95% of what made a ranger a ranger in 3.5, and they put it into the rogue scout. And the thing is, like, depending on the choices you make, you know, when you're making a rogue, he could be a ranger. Yeah. yeah if you wanted to play a magicless ranger, the rogue is, that's it. Like, that's the way to go. Yes. Not the fighter. Not any other class. The thief. Yeah, but you're missing out on dual wielding and you're missing out on animal companion. The rogue can dual wield. He doesn't get any bonuses for it, but he right. can make it a second attack. Yeah, he, he can sneak do, attack. He can do it. He gets points for trying. But I mean, it's an, it's an extra opportunity to sneak attack. If he misses with the first attack, he can do it again with the second attack. Like, there's still benefits for doing it. And he gets all those bonus action stuff to do as well. Like really, because of the title, a lot of people in the beginning of 5e, they tried to homebrew so many different ranger classes that didn't have magic. But so many were like, I want a magicless ranger. And I was like, make a rogue. The rogue's right there. And they're like, that's a rogue. And I'm like, make a rogue. It works. (laughs) The rogue. It's, It's literally a ranger without magic. The rogue is my favorite character to theorycraft. I really dig the rogue class because it is so versatile. And as someone who enjoys stuff other than combat, the rogue has so many chances to shine in so many different settings. Yeah, all those skills that they get and expertise in skills. Okay, so this is a really long way of saying that as a DM, it can be completely your choice to bring classes to the forefront and really let them be present in your world where people are familiar with oh he's a sorcerer oh he's a rogue i i need healing cleric get over here or you can bury it deep and classes are something that is completely out of character it is a set of mechanics that lets your character's backstory and personality and background shine and work in various 5e situations exactly like in our game that we played very shortly I made a character that was a druid, but he wasn't really a druid. Right. It was just, that was just his class. And really, I personally like to, in the game, make the classes a meta thing. And in the game, nobody says, oh, that guy's a sorcerer. I create a separate title. Like anyone 
Like he's a conjurer. If he was trained at a like a college, he's a magus. And if he didn't, he's a conjurer. Right. And then you can take any kind of class that does magic and say, well, he your background says you didn't go to the college. You're a conjurer. Doesn't matter if you're the wizard class. Right. Your your background says you didn't go to college. You're a conjurer. Mm-hmm. Your background says you did go to college. You can still be a sorcerer. You went to college. You're you're a magus. That's why in, in my games, I personally like to push. Char- what did your character do before they started adventuring? And what made them start adventuring? Right. And those questions are absolutely key because you can use those questions to not only decide the class, but use them as a starting point to say, is your character someone who is likely to be a healer? Is your character likely to be someone who gets into fights are they going to be looking for other solutions or are they going to be magically inclined and based on the personality traits they can pick a party role and then select a class that lets them do it and depending on the player some players they'd love to theory craft and they might have a thousand characters available to them in their head or on their right and beyond or whatever so for them they don't think about a lot of that stuff they're like i just this is a, a class i want to play and mechanic is that I want to play this guy. Yeah. Yeah, we got a friend like that who's got like 70-something characters on their D&D Beyond account. I don't have 70 classes, but I have a whole bunch of ideas. Like, I will, independently of the character, I will theorycraft a series of feats and abilities and stats and all of this. And then I will pick a character backstory, the type of character that I want to play, and then I will take one of my theory crafted characters and then say, does this fit? You know, I want to play a cowardly but slightly worldly character. Okay, you can do that as a ranger. You can do that as a rogue. You can do that maybe not as a fighter because a cowardly fighter isn't going to be someone who's pushing to the front lines all the time. I took this one idea of like, I wanted to play a barbarian-ish character. I wanted him to be angry. I wanted him to be aggressive. I, I took the monk class and I just reflavored all of it. And I right. was like, his rages, quotes, were his key points and he would need to meditate. Like, And it's not meditating. He would just, his adrenaline would, would calm down mm-hmm. and he would get his rage points back. <laughs> <laughs> that, that reminds me, one time... I rolled a bard who pretended to be a spellcaster because in the army, spellcasters were hated at a higher rate than bards. And so I tried to reskin all of the bard abilities as wizard cantrips. If you take away the labels on any class, you can almost make any martial class feel like any other martial class and every caster class feel like any other caster class. So if your player is open to it, then like you can get any feel for what the player wants their character to feel like if they're open to reskinning some stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you're really drawing a blank for who your character is or, or what's going to define them, there's a really great website. It's called who the fuck is my D&D character dot com. Oh, no, we can't put that website up and keep our clean rating. <laughs> 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 right if we say it is who the f but spelled out uh-huh. the real word is my dnd character.com yeah. <laughs> we'll put the link in the the doobly-doo yeah that's not part of the maybe <laughs> do that i don't know we'll see we'll, we'll include we'll, it and see we'll what put happens. it on the twitter or yeah. something that that can be less clean right right 
Well, who the beep? I don't know. Who yeah. the f bomb is my character? That's a really good website, though. Yes. Yeah. Unfortunate name. Amazing website. Yeah. And all of the character ideas are full of unfortunate words. So just bear that in mind. No mm-hmm. children should be looking at this website. Yes. Um, you know, and, and and that's another thing is if your player has no idea what kind of character they want to play, it can be okay to just give them a couple options and be like, here's some pre-made characters, look at them, which one speaks to you, right? and play them how you think they would play based on what you see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is, uh, that is fantastic for people who haven't built a character at all. Because if you've never played, then you may not understand why a 16 versus an 18 AC is so important. You may not understand the need of adding the racial bonuses and the where they go and what they how they interact with other parts of the character sheet. Right. Having a pre-made character or having a DM make the character while talking to you about what you want. Those are also options for players who don't want to get into that but just really want to Oh yeah play a game yeah but at the same time broken characters can be fun if that's what you're going for but they can be frustrating if you ended up not anticipating those drawbacks i have a character with a six dexterity and the way i play it is she has arthritis it's great i enjoy it it is fun in rp it is fun in sessions but it could be frustrating if i was really counting on being an acrobatic character it could be really frustrating if you hate going last in initiative. Yes, yes. It also helps that she's the cleric, and so by the time initiative has all rolled out, she knows who to heal. I think an important thing to talk about with your players when they're creating characters as well is to discuss how they fit into the party. It's important to discuss whether or not you need to have a cohesive party. Right. I mean, I wasn't actually talking about so much about the roles in the party, but uh, more about how the characters are going to be interacting with each other yeah so how they know each other how they handle rp stuff who in the party is the one that negotiates prices who's the one that negotiates contracts who goes off and does stuff in the background who causes distractions that's actually a good thing during session zero one thing i like to do if i'm having the players create characters at the table which i sometimes i don't do is i ask them well like which of the other players do you know ahead of time Mm-hmm. it's one of the most frustrating things that I've ever had happen to me is the DM was put us in the tavern and he was like, you guys don't know each other ahead of time, whatever. And he's like, go. I'm like, uh, huh. my, my character's a, a goblin wizard. Uh, he's not going to go talk to some brutish smelling human. Yeah. It's just Unless there's a reason. Or unless I knew him already. Right. Which goes to the previous discussion about as a DM, you have the opportunity and maybe the responsibility to put a reason for all of the characters to be in the same space, pulling the same rope for the same reason. I mean, if you want to sit down with your group and be like, you guys don't know each other, but you're in a tavern, go. I think a reasonable thing to do would just would actually be to sit down and be like, have a discussion. How do you guys get to meet each other or how? Yeah. Yeah. There's a reason why so many campaigns start with you walk into a tavern holding a summon. You know, it's the second part that that matters. Yeah. This DM described like four NPCs in there and 
and that was it. And he then he got mad at us because afterwards he's like, none of you guys talked to any of the quest givers. And we were like, we didn't know they were quest givers. We just thought they were just dudes in the bar. We're players, not mind readers. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I had no reason to talk to Joe Schmo, the guy at the bar next to me, other than the fact that you described he was there. Mm-hmm. You should have described him with a glowing exclamation mark over his head. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So as the DM, it's important to discuss that in a session one of like, you know, how you guys know each other. If you know each other, if you don't know each other, why should you work together? And it's okay to tell the players you come up with the reason, but you have to know, like, you have to work together. Right. This is a discussion that you as a DM should be facilitating. Yeah. And if you aren't facilitating it, you are doing your players a disservice. As a DM, I've gone to my players and, and I've said, you know, like, very first thing you're in is you were hired to be a guard of this thing. And then I point to the player. Why were you a guard? Like, yeah. why did you want to do it? You, you were a blacksmith. Yeah. What, what made the jump? Yeah, getting your players to think about that stuff, not just of the who the character is, but why they're in the situation. So yes, when it goes into building characters, your character is more than just their stats and their abilities and their feats. It is their background. It is their 30-page backstory that nobody reads. <laughs> I like bullet points. Yes, bullet points. Give me, give me like six bullet points of what makes your character special. Mm-hmm. Sentences. Yes, yes. And... If the DM, if you want to ask for relationships and other stuff, we get into that more so in the next episode where we talk about stakes. So tune in for that. But anyway, this was another mystery demystified. Yay. Yeah, I think we got that one Uh pretty clear now. That's clapping. This was Demystified. If you liked it, we'd appreciate it if you could leave a review or share this with your friends. Our website is demystified.com. Just the letter D, mystified.com. Do you have a question for us? Reach out via our Twitter handle, at Pickled Wizards, or ask on Facebook, at Pickled Wizards. Same page. We might talk about your problem here.